Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, MedTech Monkey shares how he broke into an exciting high-growth M&A corporate development position at a Fortune 500 company coming from an accounting background at a non-target university. How much he's getting paid now and a key piece of advice to our listeners. Enjoy. MedTech Monkey, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a quick little summary of your background. Sure. So I went to a non-target school. Um, didn't know I wanted to do investment banking or M&A. Didn't really know what it was. Um, so I ended up getting my um, bachelor's and master's in accounting. And I started my career at um, at a regional public accounting firm doing audits. Um, you know, I did the whole CPA track and learned real quick it wasn't for me. And actually, when I came back from one of my internships, I had a, I had a classmate that had interned at Goldman um, in their you know, investment banking division. And we were talking to him and comparing what we did on our internships. It sounded a lot more interesting than mine. So um, that's kind of what opened my eyes at M&A. So I started off my career in audit. Did that for like a year, year and a half. And then I transitioned to the, the company's uh, advisory department. So I was doing financial modeling, valuation, and financial due diligence. So quality of earnings for... Uh, private equity backed deals mm-hmm. that really got my me exposure in the M and A world. Got it. So and after that, um, yeah, through my network, yeah, through my network, I uh, I landed in, you know an interview at a few investment banks that didn't pan out. Um, you know, middle market ones like William Blair. Um, I got one Goldman. Um, that was just a lot of networking, a lot of cold calling, a lot of cold emailing. Um, Neither of those panned out, and then an opportunity came across my desk to, to work in corporate development at a very acquisitive company, um, a Fortune 500 company. So um, I jumped on that and interviewed and uh, landed where I'm at now. Awesome. Thanks for the quick summary. So I guess going back to um, your undergrad, so when you kind of were there and you didn't even know about investment banking, you were saying after your internship, so this was after like your junior year internship, your friend was had been at Goldman doing an internship and you, that's kind of opened your eyes to it or was it later? Yeah, it was, it was actually my senior year. I, I did um, an accounting degree. So yep. the school I went to requires you to do, you know, the five-year program. So a lot of a lot of myself and my classmates in the program, um, you do your internship after your senior year. So when we come back for our master's, I had office hours as I was a TA and, you know, him and I would just sit there and chat. We, we'd chat about our internships and, like I said, when I started talking about my assurance and you know my audit internship, and he started talking about his investment banking one, it was like, wow, that sounds much more 
exciting up my alley. So this was obviously super late for you. So you're a senior, you're thinking, oh, well, I haven't, you know, I'm, you know, yeah, I already accepted a job offer. Yeah, yeah I already accepted the job offer from a friend that I got. I probably jumped the gun. So mm-hmm. If I had any advice to give from some of the guys in school right now, guys or girls in school, would be don't don't be afraid to, to explore and check out other options. And um, yeah, that would be definitely my one piece of advice for seniors out there. What do you think? Why do you think you weren't exposed to these types of careers before? Why did it take like that conversation? You just hadn't found wall street oasis or you just hadn't found like the place when did you like come across us and was did it just take that conversation for the like the light bulb to go off or what was kind of the impetus yeah yeah it did i mean investment banking you know it doesn't you know at, at the time you know i came from a smaller town there wasn't like a whole lot of people who, who had gone to the wall street route um not a whole lot of people from my high school went to you know the target schools so right. it was just I didn't really know what I wanted to do at 18 years old. So mm-hmm. I picked, you know, a state school that was affordable for me that had a, a, a great accounting school. So I was like, you know, I'm going to at least pick the best business major that I can. And if I, if I need to go to a, a top target school, I can always go back for, you know, to business school. So I just really wasn't exposed to it, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old and, um, didn't really, you don't hear about it too much at some schools. Um, you know, you might hear what it is, but they don't go into the careers or recruiting. Right. Or doing anything like that, you you know? don't know, you don't know about the pay and you don't know about the exit opportunities. They don't go into all of that good stuff. So no. to, yeah. <laughs> if you go investment banking, you'll work 80 to hundred hours a week. And you know, that's all they kind of tell you. And the school I went to, they really pushed public accounting, you mm-hmm. know, down, down your throat. Yeah. And so, you know, well, they have a strong accounting program, so probably a little biased, but anyway, so you're, so you kind of were following that path. And then what was the feeling when you kind of knew, Hey, you wanted to switch gears and you knew you couldn't right away. What did, what was that, what was that like? And then how did you prepare yourself? So you were almost like one foot out the door already when you started your, your first job out of school, it sounds like. 100%. Um, so when I started, I already I had known that we had a financial due diligence group mm-hmm. and you were. I knew that we had a valuation group. So that group it was notoriously difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. So at the day one at the firm, I had emailed the I found out who the partners in charge of those groups were. I had networked with them internally and just said met with them for like fifteen minutes and just said, Hey, my you know, X Y Z um and you know, this is what you know, I really want to work in this group. And their responses was, hey, we don't have any openings right now. Be a top performer. Do really well. You know, do solid work. And then we'll start transitioning you over. You know, take level one of the CFA. Um, pass that and show us that you're committed. And, and we'll talk, you know, when that happens. So I, I did my time. I put The in CFA or the CPA? CFA or CPA? Uh, CFA. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I've done the CPA route. I finished it while I was in school. This, um yeah, I finished it about a month before I started working full time, which was really helpful. So I'm gonna do the CPA and recommend, you know, if you're gonna take that route, finish it before you start working full time. Um, but yeah, so I had already considered doing a CFA and a game that's finance knowledge. So um, I was like, all right, I'll pass level one, and I, I want to start working on stuff as soon as I pass level one. So I, I followed through on what I did, and um, so after I passed level one, I did my first busy season had solid reviews and um, they started transitioning me, started doing some of the QOV work. Um, and I had to do one more busy season. And then um, I 
you know, as soon as that was done, they transitioned me full time doing valuation, financial monitoring, and that's a quality of earnings analysis. Yeah, and that's a really tough transition to make internally because you have to almost have buy in from the other partners. And was your direct partner in the in the audit group or in the you know were they upset? Did you feel like you were running any sort of risk in terms of either getting fired or was it is it a more supportive place in terms of making that internal transition? You know, I would definitely say they were supportive, you know, it's because I had told them that audit was not my career mm-hmm. and they wanted to keep me as long as possible. I think they knew that I wasn't, you know, going to, I wasn't on the partner track, but if you're a top performer and you do good work, they're going to want to keep you. And they knew that. So they accommodated, um, you know, and on the flip side, I was also flexible too. You know, I still, I had a transition period. There's times that I still to do audit. They knew I didn't like it, but they were so cool about it. So I think, you know, having the having the support from the bosses definitely helped that transition phase and, and helped me gain the experience to get into a, a corp dev role. And how did you even know to get into the valuation group or quality earnings and doing all that type of work? It was just obvious to you or you had heard like, okay, if, if I'm, I'm going and doing accounting firm, I need to be in these specific groups to help sell myself. Is that something you just learned over time or your buddy at Goldman had told you? That, I was going to say um, buddy at Goldman and he was also, you know, I can also credit him for introducing me to Wall Street Oasis. He had heard about it through his Goldman internship. And I, that, I, that's when I started using Wall Street Oasis as a, as a tool that and I would read, you know, what are other people doing from accounting firms? How are they breaking in? And a lot of them were saying, Hey, don't just be quality. Get that financial modeling experience that's going to be invaluable. And, and it proved to be invaluable. Okay, so you're you're at this um, accounting firm for what sounds like what a year and a half or so, and then tell me about like I would the say probably two and a half years. Two and a half. Okay, so tell me how like when you started looking for that first transition. So you were getting the right experience. You're getting some financial modeling, some valuation experience. So you had some good stuff on your resume. Now, tell me how you started that whole process. Like, what was what did it involve? Was it like okay, you started ramping up your networking, doing more informational sessions, or was it something that you had been like you were ready to make the jump and tell yeah, me a little bit about were you already interviewing for banks um, like lateral positions or were you just striking out there i'd love some details on that yeah of course yeah so once i got a couple months under my belt of doing the valuation and financial due diligence where i could talk about the projects i was working on and and how that could transition well into banking i started just you know googling you know just using linkedin and googling um you know fortunately i had uh, someone in my network a family member who um Work there in Kirkland and Ellis, um, you know, which was a law firm, you know, a big, big law firm. So he was doing M and A law there, and it was all, you know, I bounced ideas off him. He got me connected with a few people, and I just was very, very, you know, diligent man, and just trying and trying to, to network. And I ended up, like I said, landing a couple interviews at banks, um, but you know, ultimately those didn't pan out. Why um, do you think that they didn't pan out? What do you think was like the main reason? If you had to look oh, back. Man. I mean, that's hard, that's hard to say. You know, I didn't go to a name brand accounting firm. I didn't go to a name brand school. So I think it was easy to, you know, it was easy to pass. And, um, you know, I always made it past the first round. And they always said I, everyone, you know, I'd always ask for feedback because I'm big on that. And I'd say, hey, like, why didn't you hire me? So I know the next bank I interview at, I don't make that same mistake. And, you know, the feedback I had was, you know, you know, you're a great candidate. You work hard, but, you, did, you know, it was just better, more qualified people. Right. And so you, you, know, you feel like me. you feel like it was more of a function of just you didn't have the right background for them to take a risk yeah, on you when yeah, there was yeah, so I didn't have the pedigree. Right. Okay. Well, 
yeah, it's almost like you're you're already starting at a disadvantage, which is fair, you know, to a lot of the other candidates that were making it past the first. Yeah, round. and, and uh, you know, I'm, I will say this, man. Like, could I, if I kept trying, yeah, I probably I could have made it into banking. I, just like I've seen countless others do it from non-target schools and non-traditional backgrounds. So, um, you know, I, I was still in the process of, of trying to break into banking, and and that's when the corporate development opportunity came by, and, and I thought that was better. You know, that was more my you know, speed anyways. So. so tell me about that. How did that, how did you come across that? And specifically, uh, what attracted you to that position? Yeah. So I, I was just, you know, it was during networking. I was talking, um, I was talking to a banker who, um, went to a state school similar to myself. Um, you know, he banking wasn't his first career choice. So he had, you know, he'd given me a lot of advice and he actually, um, you know, told me to reach out to, you know, banking isn't happening, start reaching out to others. So I reached out to my internal network, you know, my personal network. I knew someone who worked in M&A at a Fortune 500 company. Um, so, I, again, I wanted to do banking first, but that, that's fine. I, I reached out to him, and he's like, yeah, they're actually looking for somebody with your, with your skill set. And, you know, let me get you connected with the VP of the department. And I had one phone call with the guy. I interviewed well with him, and next thing you know, I'm – I got the job, you know, after I went through a series of interviews and I can touch on that if you want. Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. Like, so it was pretty quick. It sounds like it was pretty quick. You got, you did a phone screen and they brought you in a couple interviews. Was it technical at all? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it was actually, I mean, I, I probably, I, I probably watered that down. It, it, I mean, the process probably took two or three months for the interview. Okay. Um, yeah. So I had initial phone screen interview and then they had me take a personality test, um, you know, to make sure that I was a profile that fit that, that company and what they were looking for. And they make every single person do it. I mean, whether you're, you know, an hourly, you know, hourly employee, if you're an executive assistant, or if you're even doing an internal person applying for a position, they make you take this personality test. Okay. Um, which, you know, it was just an hour straight of just questions. Like, this is conversational. If this was the test, it would have been like, hey, what is, you know, tell me about a time that you were, you know, you, you had a conflict with someone and, and you give them an answer and say, okay, next question. So it's very rapid fire. So um, there are multiple choice. Is it multiple choice or like you they're open-ended? Oh, um, it's open-ended. It's, you actually, you're actually having a phone interview with somebody. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's like yeah, a personality, that's... like behavioral fit interview. Right. Yep. You got it. I wonder how they're grading that. It's interesting. <clears throat> like how they're, I, I like they're what actually, they're, what they're actually yeah. trying to fit for. In terms of dominance versus just, you know, yeah, compliance like looking, and stuff. you know, they're just looking for a specific type of person. Interesting. Okay, so you kind of go through that. Obviously, you didn't fail it, um, and then, <laughs> and then specific, yeah. that, and then, then kind of. Uh, I would call it a super day. Um, I would say I had interviews over probably wasn't as intense as a super day, um, but sorry, uh, you I broke up a little. You had what? Better. You had a what super day? I'm sorry. I call it like my corp dev super day. Corp I had dev, okay. interviews, yeah. mm-hmm. um, all 45 minutes long. And it was a really, I mean, it was a wide variety. I, I, I met with senior directors and VPs and of the M&A group. And a lot of, it was just, some of it was fit, you know, tell me about yourself, tell me about your experience. And then, you know, some of the more, some of the people who got very technical, um, you know, they would ask questions that you hear about like, Hey, how many gasoline, how many gasoline sales are the United States? 
that was one of the questions they got. Oh, like a sizing consulting wanted, question? And they just want to see your thought yeah, process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about uh, yeah, wanted, specifically like accounting question? Given that your accounting background, did any of them get really technical on that? No, they didn't. They actually were like, you know, one of the hmm. two of the guys I interviewed with, I thought they were going to drill me. They were two of the, you know, the valuation finance guys. And I thought they were going to drill me, but they were just like, no, like you have your CPA, you have your master's of accounting. We're not going to ask you how the three you know, the statements, three financial right. statements all work together. You should know that by now. If yeah. you don't, then you probably wouldn't be in this position to begin with. Right. But they did ask me, like, walk me through a DCF, tell me how you, you know, come up with assumptions, um, you know, what just talk us through more of your thought process. They cared more about my thought process and how I modeled and, you know, how I thought things through versus walk me through, you know, tell me about, you know, what's the Gordon growth model. Yeah, not not resetting a formula, basically, but just seeing that you understood the con- the conceptual frameworks behind the the concepts and the the methodologies. Like, do you understand yeah. the reasons you're using them? Not not do you do you understand how to use them? Um, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, anybody can go online and learn how to how to walk through a DCF. But, right. You know, they wanted to learn more. Like, okay, how do I build assumptions? You know, they wanted to see the thought process. And to me, I think that shows does the person know what they're talking about or not. And so, do you feel like you um, did you prepare a lot for this? Did you need to prepare a lot for this? Was it something that you felt like your job had prepared you for? Or was it something like you needed more interview skills? And it, was it was it hard for you? I guess, or was it like did it feel pretty easy? I don't know. It felt pretty easy. I'm, you know, I, I like to think I'm good at explaining things. Um, you know, I'm good at, you know, being able to walk through, you know, talk my way through problems. And, um, you know, so I did prepare, I would say I prepared a little bit. So that I reviewed previous models that I had worked on. Um, you know, I, I knew what the space this company was in. So I, I made sure to kind of research like what were multiples. Did I ever do any projects where I had to, you know, I worked in that space and I tried to make anything if I didn't, I tried to find something that was very similar to it, something that was relatable, and I and that way they could see, okay, it's not like he, um, it's not like this kid was spending time valuing, you know, startup, right. startup fintech company. Totally like irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was something relevant. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That's I think that's smart. That's a pattern I hear of like people who are interviewed successfully is they're always looking at ways they can tie in their previous experience to be useful to the current company. So they're saying like well, this experience is actually really relatable because of X, Y, and Z. I think it's a very common trait of good interviewers is they're always trying to f- show the company how they fit in and how their, their experience is really relevant. Oh, of course. Yeah. Again, yeah. Like, you know, they're going to be preparing, you know, one of the questions are like, how do you feel about preparing slide decks that are going to go to, you know, CFOs or I'm sorry, the CFO or, or head of business units or, mm-hmm. and how do you feel about that? And I was like, oh, no problem. In my, and I told him in my last position, I may not have, made these specific slides but quality of earning stuff that was going to private equity clients who are very sophisticated or you know good at what they do and they're going to notice any small mistakes so i mean that's like an example how i was able to tie it and and i tell everyone to do that with any position always try to tie it back right no that's great so do you mind sharing a little bit with the listeners uh like just ranges of pay from how you progressed from when you started right out of school to where you're at now are you able to give us like even if it's just a rough range yeah yeah definitely i would say um and, and i would keep in mind i was in you know i'm in the midwest the yeah. salaries are going to be a little bit lower than what they're going to be um i'm not i'm not i was never in a major city i yep. was not in chicago yeah your um, lower so, lower cost of living yeah area exactly exactly mm-hmm. so i would say i started off in the low 50s mm-hmm. um for my career in, in accounting which is 
pretty much market it, you know, for where it was at. Um, you know, reasons weren't that great. Um, and then I, you know, for Corp Dev, starting off in, you know, mid-70s, low 80s. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And so the progression of that, you know, is you're coming in, is it expected that you're going to go back to business school? Like what's next for you? Is it is it something where you feel like you have a career there that you can grow with the M&A team in, in Corp Dev? Or do you feel like there's pressure to kind of leave after a little while? Okay, yeah, business school is definitely on the, the horizon. Um, you know, I'd want to go full time and I'd want to um, go to a top 10 school. And, you know, I think right now, I want to wait until I get some deals closed under my belt and gain some real valuable experience. That'll, that'll help me get, that'll help me break into school. Yeah. Maybe get a promotion under your belt there. And right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because it's, it's one of those things where, um, a lot of business schools, they'll look for that like cookie cutter thing. And if you don't have it, there's still like some, some pedigree bias, right? Yeah, I, I believe there is. So you have to like basically do really well in the GMAT. And then on top of that, like do really well professionally to have a shot at those top schools. Exactly. But, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to have to kill the GMAT mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to work hard on that no matter what I'd have to. And I'm going to have to have great experience that can keep me on par with some of the other candidates because I might be having to go against guys who went to, you know, the Yale, the Princeton, the Harvard. The, but and, you can do it. You, know, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I do pretty well. In I'm excited about going back to B school. I think I'll, I'll learn a lot and, be able to expand my network cool man well is there anything else you'd like to uh before we call the pod anything else you want to leave the listeners with or any piece of advice you'd give to your younger self even though you're still super young <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i would i would tell every one of you guys don't uh, if you really want to make it into banking you really want to make it into m a private equity venture capital whatever you hedge fund don't don't give up don't let someone just because you didn't go down the traditional path doesn't mean you can't do it it might make it a little harder but that just makes you want it that much more so uh, yeah just uh. awesome well medtech monkey thanks so much for uh, sharing your wisdom and thanks to you my listeners at wall street oasis if you have any suggestions whatsoever please don't hesitate to send them my way patrick at wallstreetoasis.com and until next time Thank you.